Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today for OK Bloomer, Teach Me Sales. I'm Kelly Bloomer. And I'm Tom Bloomer. OK, Tom, you're our sales pro. In 30 words or less, can you tell us about this podcast? I'm going to try. You know us salespeople like to talk, Kelly. You sure do. All right, 30 words or less. Can you do it? Well, if you're a sales pro and you're looking to grow in your sales career, if you like good, lively sales discussion, I think this is going to be a show for you. I've walked your walk for over 30 years in sales. I've knocked on the doors and overcome the same obstacles I think you may be facing as a seller, a sales manager, and as a VP of sales. I currently help assess, build, and train high-performing media sales teams. Well, Cal? Yeah, you really went over 30 words. But I think it was good. I let's, do too. Okay, so I hope our listeners will be all set. And hey, let's let's roll up our shirt sleeves and let's let's get at it. So enjoy listening to Tom and his guests talk sales. Okay, Bloomer, who's our Tom? What are you doing? You got a funny face. I, I do, Kel, because today's show is going to be a little bit different. How so? Well, our, our guest, he hates sales. Hates sales. Yeah, he, he will tell you he hate, he loves money, but he hates sales. I can understand loving money, but you're in sales, so how can you hate sales? Well, he, he, he started in sales. Okay. And he hated it. But what he does now is he's, he's half a sales guy and he's half stand-up comedian. How exactly does that work? Well, he teaches people how to write comedy and make their customers laugh and, and build a relationship with them. I mean, think about it. When If you're going to go buy something today and your salesperson makes you laugh, are you going to feel a little more comfortable? Probably. It's better than them being annoying. Yeah, nobody wants annoying. No. We, we'd much rather humor. Right. right. A little bit of silliness is always good. Yeah, and, and it gets people comfortable. It makes them a little bit at ease. And, you know, it's like the old icebreaker. You know, you you, you take somebody out of that sales mode and get them comfortable, relaxed. You're, you're probably going to build a better relationship. And, and that's what John is all about. And he's been teaching people in sales how to not be salesy and, and just relax with your customer. Okay. It's pretty interesting. And and you know how I love humor. I do. You, you got some pretty out there humor sometimes, but yeah. Hey, I've been making you laugh for a long time, Kelly. Yes, you have. Yeah. Um, and I think John is going to make our listeners laugh today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Okay, let's listen. Hi, this is Brian from Boston. Okay, Boomer, teach me sales. All right, so I am really excited about our episode today. We are with John Selig. Um, John, you are a, let me get this right, you're half salesman, half comedian. Did I get that right? Yeah. All right. And and you are one of the first people on LinkedIn that I actually stalked. So I don't okay. know if I'm allowed to talk about that. I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but um, somewhere you came across my feed and, and I just started to kind of lurk in the background and follow what you were saying and what you were doing. And then it got to a point I said, this is somebody I want to eventually have on our show. And then it became, I had to stalk in a way that, that you would notice us in our show so that when I reached out, you would actually talk to us. So um, so it's been fun on my end. It's been about a three-month stalking, and you're here. So, um, But that's not telling our listeners a whole lot about you. So can you uh, you know tell us your story, and, and uh, we'll go from there today. 
Yeah, I, I am really glad that you decided to uh, confess to me that you're stalking me because now I can run away uh, in terror. Uh, just as we're that, you got a brick wall behind you, so I figured it's safe. You know, I, I you're locked in. You're here for at least an hour contractually, right? There is nowhere to go. You're right. Um, so with that said, I'll just put up with my fears, and I I, I appreciate you stalking me. Um, it's, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing to hear, but I, I do value and appreciate uh, that comment. Um, so a bit about my background, you know, the one thing I was uh, hoping you were going to include, uh, which you didn't, was I'm half sales guy, half stand-up comedian, all parental disappointment. And that disappointment stems from the fact that I used to sell Oracle uh, technology um, and, and professional services, some SaaS stuff as well. And one day I just said, you know, and I really don't care about this anymore. I really don't care if a CFO is able to extract data out of spreadsheets into a data warehouse for advanced reporting and analytics. I just stopped caring um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and I wanted to do something a little bit more creative with my life. So, so you you told your parents you're not gonna stay in sales. So now they're getting excited, but then you told them what? So did that oh, I last never, long? I never exactly quite t announced any of this to them, but I just decided to migrate away from sales a little bit. Uh, and when they realized, oh, you don't have a full-time job anymore and you're just kind of working on various projects and figuring your life out, that's, that's where some disappointment came in. Uh, I was in my mid to late 30s at the time uh, where I just decided, you know what, I, I, I don't really want to be in sales the rest of my life. I don't want to be reporting into a manager and I don't want to be a manager. Um, I don't want to oversee a sales team. And I don't want to keep calling buyers. I, I just, I, I did it and I had enough of it and I wanted to use my brain uh, for some different things. And so stand-up was this thing. I always loved comedy. I never set out to be a stand-up comedian, but I, I got into it and I got very addicted to the process. And right out of the gate, I saw there were all these similarities between uh, selling uh, to executives and selling to an audience at an open mic who doesn't really want to be there is maybe they're supporting a friend or just checking something out. They don't know who I am. They have to buy into me every time I get on the stage. And I have to literally, quote unquote, sell them on my ideas and why I think things are funny. And there's, there's a process to that and there's a craft to that. And I really got addicted to that. And uh, about three and a half years ago, I said, you know what? Uh, I, I hate sales, but I love money. Uh, and I decided to merge my two, my two passions, uh, not, not my passions, but my two backgrounds um, of sales and comedy. And I put together comedy writing for sales teams. Um, and at the time when I started, I didn't even realize that there was a, a pandemic in sales of bad messaging and bad outreach and just this, uh, this, this a lot of throwing a lot of crap against the wall. And when I started, some sales trainers and coaches were like, oh, you're helping sales teams craft humor um, that helps them better frame uh, the problems they can solve. That, that's really needed at this time. And I didn't even realize to what extent it, 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 they were telling the truth. So with that said, I've been doing what I do for about three and a half years. And not only do I show sales teams how to write jokes um, specifically about why they matter to their buyers, but I teach them the process of writing jokes for their buyers. And the real value in that is it helps sales reps better understand who their buyers are, uh, all the various um, things that they're struggling with and how we as sellers can affect their emotions by, by, by outlining which problems we can roadblocks we can solve for them, uh, get more creative, get more expressive. And of course, if we do write great jokes, the idea is that, hey, everyone on a sales team uh, can deliver a great joke to, to, uh, to a prospect uh, in a way that they're comfortable with, that 
that demonstrates, hey, like I get what you're going through and uh, I, I have empathy for you. I relate to you. And, um, you know, the jokes are designed to showcase deep subject matter expertise. So that was a bit of a tangent and a ramble, but, um, you know, I hope that's clear. Well, if not, they're, they're going to let us know. But yeah, I think that was clear. But here's the part I have as, as you're going through that. So I'm thinking myself as a sales leader and, and you're bringing this approach and, and you're talking about really getting the sales rep to, to think about their client, to, to really have to kind of research and figure out what are their pain points, what, what are their issues, which is what they should be doing. And you're taking it into a creative approach and a, and a, a humorous approach. How difficult is that to get to a traditional sales organization to really see what you're trying to accomplish? Well, let's face it, in, uh, in the world of sales, we don't sell to everybody. And there are some organizations who are really hung up on classic sales methodologies, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's um, a Sandler, a Spin, what have you. Uh, and those are great. Those are methodologies. They, they go far deeper than what I do. Uh, what I do is sort of been I've been told it's a compliment to what they do and that it helps them sort of reframe the things they need to be conveying to, to prospects in a more memorable and relatable way, a way that, you know, triggers an emotional switch within their brain and is a bit of a pattern interrupt, especially for prospectors. So, you know, do I sell to the whole world? No, because some, some sales leaders will be, they'll just hear the term comedy running for sales teams and a switch goes off in their brains and you know they don't even want to deal with it but i deal with a lot of innovative sales leaders who are like this sounds different i want to know more i love comedy uh i see the i see how making a buyers laugh uh and connecting with them on an emotional level has power and so those those are the, the type of sales leaders who are drawn to what i do and i'm just one guy i can't work with everybody anyway so it kind of works out perfect yep that, that's that's the way you want it to be right you gotta Absolutely. you gotta know your market and, and sell to your market. So so let's talk. So um, you find the right sales leader who says, you know what, this is an innovative approach. This is going to be great. Let, let's talk about it. And now you have a team of sellers. So you got, you know, 10, 12 people in front of you, 20 people in front of you. You've got all different levels of, of humor in those people. Um, when you start to talk to them, what, what are some of the reactions you get uh, what are some of the things that they they grab quickly to? What are some of the things they struggle with in, in understanding the concept? I think people struggle with understanding the process of writing a joke, or at least, um, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through several iterations of what I do because it is challenging to teach creativity. Uh, there's no doubt about that. What I've realized about busy business professionals is a creative side of their brain has been shut down and dormant for many years, especially senior sellers. Uh, that creative muscle is calcified over the years. Now, now, be careful when you talk senior sellers, because there are a few of us boomers on, you know, listening right now. So you're saying you can't handle the truth? No. No. Yeah. You know what? Just continue, John. I'll come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's just my experience. It's that uh, it's interesting. I did a gig with. Um, with a large, let's just call them global. Um, well, I don't care. It was it was Canon. I work with Canon uh, Global Managed Services, and what I noticed about them that they they were veteran enterprise sellers who've been doing this for ten to twenty five years. Kind of set in their ways a little bit. Well, that, well, that's exactly it. And and let's face it, they're all raising families. They're busy. Their career is on their minds, and that, that these are normal things. You know, sitting around and being creative isn't a luxury. 
that a lot of people are able to afford. I, I personally can, because it's just something I've committed myself to. Um, but the, the fascinating thing is just seeing how they struggle with being able to, um, at first, get, get creative and get outside of their realm of thinking. So everything they do is in the print world, for example. And, you know, good, good comedy is predicated upon comparing one thing to another. Just simple analogies that, that you know, paint a picture and demonstrate uh, the similarities or differences between a couple of things. And at first, you know, I was trying to get them to brainstorm and get creative around uh, certain problems they're trying to solve. And, and part of what we do is we look at adjectives and verbs um, within uh, how we frame those problems. You know, so if something is robust or if something is um, global or if something is, um, I don't know, uh, secure, right? These are just classic words in B2B marketing that people use. Well, what else is global? What else is secure? What else is robust? And they would very often stay within the world of print, whereas I had already told them, try and like, just make a random list of things that are global, that are secure or insecure. Make a list of things that are robust. And everything that they would deliver was in the print world. And like, that was the most challenging thing with that particular group to get them to say, guys, don't limit yourself to the print world. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make a great joke comparing one problem in print to something else in the world of print. Um, you know, you want, you want it to be completely outside the box. But then when you kind of like grab them by the lapels and shake them a little bit and say like, you know, give their, give their face a proverbial slap, I don't actually do that. But you, you, them- so you can get away with that though, right? As, as a comedian element, see, I can't slap my sales reps, but you can get away with that a little bit. No, I have, I, I have, I have, I have, I have a contract in place, which prevents me from laying a hand physically or emotionally on them. Um, okay. And so, but with, but with that said, I, I do have to kind of reorient them. And, and once, once you have that little talk and you say, look, um, this is what we're going for and make it a little clear for them. Then by the end of it all, they, they've gotten on board and they were telling jokes. Um, one guy compared, um, you know, one joke was, uh, your print environment is like an old golf pro shop, um, a bunch of expensive drivers that no one knows how to use. That, that sums up my golf game. Well, there you go. And so, so that, that's one challenge with younger sellers. So is it, this is helping them to relate to their buyer too, right? Because the buyer looks at them and, and you know, they're, they're, they're getting to a different level in, in their rapport. Is that also helping here? Yeah, and, and what I try and get them to do is, again, it's not so much the jokes we're going for, but it's about them to think about, you know, good comedians, what do they do? They focus on things that suck for people. Like, don't you hate you know, dot, dot, dot. Most stand-ups, you mentioned Seinfeld in our pre-conversation. Seinfeld talks about things he hates or dislikes or fears, right? And so these are all very emotional things for us. But for our buyers, they're wrestling with certain emotions. I, I hate Challenge X. I hate pain point, you know, tactical pain point. It frust this thing that is happening on a day-to-day basis. It's driving me nuts. And that tactical pain point is leading to an erosion of margins. And that person's boss, maybe a CFO or whoever, is freaking out about, man, margins are just not where we want them to be. So each of those audiences has different things on their mind that's affecting their emotions. Um, and what I'm getting them to do is, and this is kind of segueing back to your original question, which was, what, what are some of the challenges? Younger sellers and older sellers too, when I ask them, what problem do you solve for your buyers? They'll tell me what they do. They don't tell me 
well, we help CFOs struggling with, you know, um, getting their budget done. That's like a common challenge for CFOs, right? I used to sell Oracle budgeting stuff. So that, that just comes to mind first and foremost, but they'll tell me, oh, we help budgets. We help CFOs uh, do their budgets in an orderly way. But I'm like, but that's not the problem. You're telling me what you do. And that's a common challenge with both junior and senior sellers. They're very wrapped up in what they do. By peeling it back a layer and saying, we're going to write a joke about the problem and why it sucks for that particular audience um, and paint a picture of why it sucks and what could go wrong if they don't fix it, uh, it forces them to think about all those things. And again, even if they don't write a great joke, we're firming up their knowledge uh, about the problem and the impacts of not addressing the problem. So those are the two biggest challenges. It's just taking taking for granted what they do and don't know because there's a lot of knowledge gaps uh, across all ages and um, that creativity angle is another one. So what, what my workshop does is it's trying to bring the two together and help them get more creative, but more importantly, firm up their knowledge um, about their buyer and, and why the solutions that they're offering matter to their buyer. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, you're, you're trying to get their attention too, right? You're, you have an approach, you're getting the, the, uh, sale, the seller to think about it, but you want to get somebody's attention, right? That's what you're kind of doing here. You're bringing to the attention what their problem is or what the solution is or just who we are. Um, is that a key element of what you're trying to do is just to get attention with this? So it's a great question. When I started uh, offering comedy writing for sales teams, I always felt that I'm going to help you guys write jokes and those jokes will help get your buyer's attention, help your sellers get your buyer's attention. Because everyone knows that you know, when, when your buyer picks up the phone off a cold call, you have like 12 seconds to demonstrate to them, I got something of value for you here. And a good joke should be no more than 12 seconds. You got your six seconds of a setup which is that opening sentence, which is about a topic that's relatable to an audience. And the punchline comes along and subverts those expectations. So, you know, uh, when I, when I cold call, I have the same goddamn joke I've been using for three and a half years. This is called, Hey, hey Tom, this is John. We've never spoken before. So this call will be a lot like a craft beer, unique, refreshing, and ice cold. And anyone can use that joke, but the difference is for me, it highlights my credibility when they laugh. Because that's and, it, and if they don't, it's also telling you something, right? It, it tells me that uh, it tells me that that's sales, that's comedy. Not everyone's going to like a joke, or be ready for it, or expecting it, and and that's okay. But I mean, that one joke has kind of built my business. I've used it in LinkedIn connection requests, cold calls, cold emails, and it's gotten me business uh, and conversations. Um, but coming back to your question, uh, when I when I started, that was definitely the goal. It's like, how can I get more more uh, sellers uh, getting the attention of buyers by using a short pointed joke that illuminates deep insight and subject matter expertise about the buyer's world. However, uh, over time and feedback from my clients were, John, forget the jokes. And, and, and not, not to say forget them, but the real learning is the journey in getting to the jokes. That's been the feedback. And uh, I, I see that. I realize that because I just assumed that some of this stuff they already knew. I, I figured they already knew what problem they solved for their buyers. I figured that's kind of the role of, you know, internal sales training. Um, and sometimes it, it, it's not happening. Sometimes there some customers I have are really good at that stuff. 
some aren't. Um, and so they value that process because it gets them to really think about things and talk about things in breakout groups and to map out why this problem will affect uh, both them, um, you know, their, their buyer, their, the, the buyer's customers, the buyer's suppliers, the buyer's partners, um, their, their entire ecosystem, because problems have ripple effects, um, you know, across, across every aspect of a company's uh, operations. Well, and I like the way you say, you know, you assumed that, that certain things people already got, right? They already understood, they're already examining certain things. You know, we found over the years, people learn in a variety of different ways. So, so you're going in and, and you have an approach and you're assuming that they're already thinking about their buyers one way and you're realizing a lot of them don't. You have now a, a real innovative way to get them to, to unearth that, to, to think about it differently. So I, I've got to assume that, you know, some people are already doing it, like you said, but for some of the ones that really weren't getting that, maybe you're, you're getting them a new way and suddenly they're doing something they should have been doing all along because now it's fun for them and they're looking at it different. Um, so it's, you know, you're almost getting their attention as well. Hey, this is job one, you need to do this. Let's, let's talk about a way to do it. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. We all learn differently. And uh, I remember when I, when I was in sales, uh, you know, working at Oracle, I mean, they, they, they flooded you with uh, one pagers and cheat sheets of, you know, products and, and why they matter because Oracle sells a gazillion products and you're just going through them all and you're, you're looking at them really high level and they're telling you for this product or the solution, you need to call directors of finance, VP of finance, corporate controller, and I realized like, I, I've never been a corporate controller. I don't know anything about this person and what's bugging them. I, to be frank, I have two business degrees. So like you, I have enough insight, but I don't exactly know. Um, and just mapping out who the buyer is and, and what's, what they're trying to achieve is part of what we do and understanding their object, their objectives. And again, it's like, uh, you know, I, I figured out how to make my own messaging interesting when I was at Oracle because the messaging they were suggesting seemed a little bland and didn't really, it just wasn't something I could see myself saying. So I figured out how to just like rejig some words and phrasings, make it a little more colloquial, a little more human. And, and it, it, it worked for me. And uh, years later, uh, here I am, I'm sort of showing people um, kind of the principles of joke writing and how you can apply that to their messaging. Uh, but really, again, reverse engineering that knowledge and understanding of our buyers and why we matter to them by writing those jokes. So coming back to your original question, the jokes are what I call the gravy on top of the iceberg or the cherry on top of the iceberg. Like there's, they're, they're great. And if we get great jokes out of a workshop, yes, everyone can use them to get attention. Um, but even if we don't write great jokes, uh, you know, I hope that there's a lot of good learning and communication and language skills that have come out of it. And, and the more I listen to you talk, John, and, and this is the, the second or third time that we've had conversations, it, it does amaze me the parallels between sales and, and the comedy and the way you've approached it. Um, you know, in sales, one of the most important things is we've got to be able to read clients, right? And we sit down, we have maybe 25 minutes now to do a presentation, 35 minutes. It helps if I can read that client early on, it's going to help my approach. Um, what you're doing has got to give them a way of also understanding and reading people a little bit quicker. I imagine as a comic, you better read that 
you're in front of an audience, you better read them pretty darn quick or it's going to go south. So um, talk a little bit about that and how important this part can be to to helping us read our customers. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's so it's interesting in sales, we, we do discovery. Um, you know, we, we take a, a half hour to an hour with our prospect to understand what's going wrong. Uh, and, and I come from a software sales background. So, you know, before you give a demo, you need to understand what, what are they struggling with? Um, because if I show them a demo and I say, hey, we got these great bells and whistles, check them out. And they're like, well, that, that doesn't help. Then I've wasted everyone's time. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing your audience, the, the value of sales is we, we, can, we can run discovery. We can ask great questions and we could you know, qualify or disqualify a buyer. You know, at a certain point, you can always say, we can't help you. I don't think we're the vendor you're looking for. Uh, you're right. In comedy, you, you need to be able to read the room really quickly. And we don't have discovery. Our discovery is when we walk in, um, we're in, let's say, either the, the, the green room, the back, or we're hanging out at the bar, uh, the back of the room, and uh, just watching who the audience is. Uh, and some, some are good at it. Some say, oh, it's an older audience here, so I can't tell my Tinder and Snapchat jokes. Uh, some are like, oh, it's a younger audience. I better leave out that, that joke about how I look like Elliot Gould. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you... You do. I didn't even realize that. Yes, absolutely. Um, everybody's going to want to go and, and find you on LinkedIn now so they can compare because they're just hearing the voice. But yeah, you, you absolutely. And, and well, half of our audience doesn't know who Elliot Gold is at this point. But well, but they will know who Ross and Monica's dad is. And that's actually how I frame the joke. Well, you don't. So <laughs> I just aged myself. I didn't even know who, he had a daughter, but yep. go ahead. <laughs> no, so, so Ellie Gould played uh, Ross and Monica's father on the hit 90s television show, Friends. Ah, okay. Now my yeah. daughter would know that now. She'll know who Elliot Gould is. Absolutely. That's it. And so when I, when I do stand-up, uh, I know that younger audiences who are, you know, they're there. It, more often I'm performing for younger, younger audiences, people under 40, and they don't know who Elliot Gould is but they do know who Ross and Monica's dad is. So I tell them I look like uh, some weird cross uh, between Bert from Sesame Street and Ross and Monica's dad. And if it's an older audience, I even have a joke where I back it up by saying, some of you are looking at me like, I don't know who this Ross and Monica's dad guy is, but some plastic surgeon did an awesome job on Elliot Gould. <laughs> and so, so with that said, um, uh, you know, we need to be able to read the room and, and you need, that's it. So we don't have a lot of discovery time as comedians to to understand who this audience is of course if you're on later in the show you can watch what's what the other comedians are connecting with or not connecting with and just sort of tailor your set on the fly and and are you buying everybody a couple rounds does it help if they are drinking a little bit more while they're waiting uh the comedians or I guess either way, I'm, I'm thinking the audience. Is I don't it, need to buy them. They, is, is it better to be on earlier or later after they've had a few extra rounds? Hey, listeners, it's Kelly Bloomer here to tell you the show is brought to you by Bloomer Associates. If you visit our website found in your show notes, you'll find we offer sales training, talent assessment for hiring and team development, and individual coaching for sales pros and managers. We bring over 30 years in media sales and leadership experience. If you enjoy listening to OK Boomer, Teach Me Sales, ask how our team can work with your sales team for virtual meetings, roundtables, and motivational seminars. You can contact us through our website or call today, 919-267-9871. 
Now back to our show. Um, I've rambled quite a bit about comedy now, but but in short, reading the room, whether you're in sales, whether you're in comedy, it's super important to understand who who that audience is and what what's going to connect with them and what won't connect with them. And and I'm just thinking that, you know, because now my wife will tell you different, but I've always felt I'm a little humorous and, and I had a good sense of humor. And, and it was always an important part when I sold, especially when I would be out cold calling. You know, I found there were certain things I could joke a little bit about and it would just give me a feeling for, you know, what kind of mood that person was in, you know, how are they or we're going to approach it. You know, I, I never wanted to sell that CFO. I, I do not think software sales would have been good for me. I, I don't connect with the CFOs, but you give me that, that decision maker who's a business owner, who cares about their revenues, who's walking in their door. Those are people I typically relate a little bit. Um, when you're going out there and, and you're teaching this approach, are you also giving people ways to, to open up? You talked about those first six seconds. I see a lot of sellers struggle with that. They walk in, they finally get in front of somebody and they don't have like a, an elevator pitch or a good way to get started. Um, do you recommend putting in some humor in that? Is that something that you would help them with? What's the specific circumstance? Are we talking a face-to-face meeting or a cold call or what? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's say a cold call. You're, you're going in, you're trying to get their attention. You know, you, you've got, like you said, and hopefully maybe we have more than six seconds. Maybe we have about 30 seconds where somebody's really going to listen before they're, are they, are they tuning us out? Are they trying to think of a way to, to get out of this conversation? Um, is there a good humorous way to get that business owner to say, yeah, you know what? I want to talk to Tom or John for a couple of minutes. So editing is such a big part, part of comedy writing. You know, jokes are great when they're short and there's so few syllables and they pack every, every syllable has meaning and purpose. Um, and so, you know, as a guy who does his own prospecting still, uh, I, I never, I used to always ask, how are you when I started in sales? Like right when I started. So I get someone on the phone, how are you today? This is John with Oracle, how are you? And I realize I'm wasting their time. Yeah. <sighs> They don't care. They don't know who I am. They don't. Well, so that so they're good. Like yeah, exactly. And so so now I just I get right to it. And so with any good joke, just trim off everything that's unnecessary. I watch a lot of young comedians wind up before they get to their joke. They have a lot of conjecture before they get there. And when they hit the punchline, audiences' faces light up, but not because they're laughing. It's because they're on their phones. Uh, and when we're on stage at a comedy club performing for an audience and we see that blue face on your on your fit blue light on your face we know we've lost you um and the same with cold callers i mean you can i've gotten i've been cold called and some guys just going on for 30 seconds so i think 30 seconds is way too long i'm just all about like hey uh i'm with i'm with company x um you you could or cannot say what you guys do in like i don't know a few words or less um and then sort of hit them with like we help uh, CXO is just like you struggling with this problem. This problem is like that because A, B, and C. You know, that's just the simplest form or we, you know, we help uh, CFO solve more of this than, you know, and these are just classic joke structures, which have been around forever. They're just like these one-liners. Um, but the point is it has to be relevant and applicable much the same way. There's a lot of comedians today who produce very like pop culture specific shows. So there's Star Wars themed shows, there's superhero themed shows, there's uh, pro wrestling themed shows. And if you're booked for that show, you, you gotta have a lot of material 
that showcases that knowledge and expertise and subject matter expertise, not to repeat a word, but I just did uh, around those three phenomenons. So same way when you call up um, vice president manufacturing, maybe it's a good idea to, to drop in uh, a bill of lading. Um, you know, I'm not a supply chain or manufacturing expert, but drop in something a bill of lading or uh, pallets or uh, supply chain jokes into your opener. So long as it highlights the problem you're solving for your buyer. So I'm just trying to teach reps to be relatable, different, memorable and insightful all in one short fell swoop because you you could have the best star war star wars jokes but if you're in the wrestling room that that isn't going to work real well for you so you you gotta you gotta have the right expertise for the the people you're uh, talking with your theory your theory is in theory you're correct but i think there is a good uh crossover between those two demographics star wars and pro wrestling fans so i i would suspect that perhaps those jokes would hit, but your point is taken, and 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 yes, uh, you, I agree with what you're saying. So yeah, I'd like to see what Stone Cold Steve Austin would have done back in the day if he encountered Yoda. That that could be interesting, you know. I don't know. Yoda was pretty badass. He wielded a lightsaber and that beer can that Stone Cold holds. All he could do is pour it on the lightsaber, and I think the lightsaber would use the force to repel the beer. But that's just my take on it. You know, it's it's time for uh, somebody to to restart that and and find that out for. I've always wondered, as, as I've been preparing over the last few days with this, and my wife and I were even talking about it, if I was going to, I was thinking about the comics that I, I've really enjoyed over the years, and, it, and if I was going to try to use their shtick a little bit in my sales life, which ones would be better? And, you know, one of my favorite comics was always Jerry Seinfeld. You mentioned him earlier, but, but I think if I tried to use a Jerry Seinfeld approach, some of those business owners, they're going to look at me, they're going to realize what I just said to them, and, and they're showing me the door, right? They may not yeah. get that. Um, any particular comic that you think would be a certain way that just business owners would just welcome them in and just, just love them? I mean, I think it would vary business owner to business owner because some are gregarious and personable and, and are you know drawn to other alpha types. And some business owners are introverted and don't like loud and obnoxious people. But that said, I think the comedians who, you, you know, like maybe sellers could learn a lot from jokes aside, because I think I think messaging is very important. And I think for me as a, as, a, as a guy who just likes comedy, I don't really care about bombast of a comedian. There's some comedians who really get by on their bombast and their, 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 their confidence and their ability to act something out and body language. And if you were, if you were to be listening to it, the jokes, there wouldn't be jokes. It would just be all you know, attitude. I think for sales, a little bit of that is healthy because we do have to be very confident. We do have to sell our own words, get them over the goal line with body language and um, tone of voice. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think I do think the, the people who can craft the best messages are the ones who um, who can who who can advance in sales because there has to be substance behind the style. You have, you have to have the right message for your audience. Okay, so John, I wanna ask you, you know, we've been talking about sales. We've been talking about comedy. You, you are a comedy writer for sales teams. For someone to really put what you're teaching into place, do, do they need to be an extrovert? Do they need to be someone who's, who's comfortable putting themselves out there? Yeah, I mean, look, 
I don't think you need to be an extrovert to be a great salesperson. In fact, the best salespeople I've known over the years are introverted, but you sort of need to be an extroverted introvert. I think you need to be able to shake someone's hand, have a conversation, not, not feel intimidated by their stature. Look at them as, look, at the end of the day, good salespeople are consultants. All we're doing is we're, we're consultative. We're trying to help them solve a problem. And if we can help them solve that problem, we should have a conversation. If we can't, it's cool. We can both be on our separate ways, but we have to look at them as peers and they have to take us seriously as peers or as partners. Um, it's well, a it lot sounds, like you're, sounds like you're talking about sales again, right? Some people come across real salesy and some people, they just, they seem genuine. Like, you know, you trust them. You can trust them in a, in a couple minutes because of that, uh, that, that presence that they have. Yeah, it's funny you say that because when I watch comedians, I trust the ones who seem natural. And I don't trust the ones who are doing a big act. I roll my eyes at it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with exactly what you just said. Yeah, very, very good. Hey, I know we're going to run out of time in a, in a minute, but, you know, before we do, when you have your groups, right, you're talking to people and you're going through this, what do they typically say? So you, you've got a group there and you're teaching them this and you're going through. Is there a common ask at the end? Is there a common observation that they bring? Um, something that they come up to you after the sh after you've talked to them and, and taught them this? Uh, anything that, that jumps out? Yeah, people are appreciative that it's something different and that it's something that they've been connecting with their whole lives and they never realized how comedy um, applies to a lot of other facets uh, of life and their career, most importantly. So they're pretty pleased that um, that their team or their leadership brought me in because it's like, man, we sit through a lot of boring sales training and I've sat through boring sales training. I took away stuff from it. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you I didn't learn from it, but uh, I'm getting people doing things, thinking about things and, and collaborating with their teammates uh, to not just assemble jokes, but to capture all that knowledge and subject matter expertise and centralize it uh, and then teach them a creative process so that they can ultimately apply this to their messaging. And in short, I, I get a lot of compliments about a lot of different things like it's never the same thing people some people love the open mic some people love how it challenged them to just understand their buyer better and, and and learn from their colleagues like there's there's a bunch of takeaways from from what i do and it's it's it, the consistency is never in one particular um thing that people are grateful for and for that i'm confused angry you're confused angry no, and grateful. Oh, and grateful. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, very good. And and you know what? That's like you said earlier on, everybody's different. You know, every audience is different. Every client we're in front of is different. Each sales rep that you're working with. But, you know, sales is hard. You know, it, it can be very stressful. It can be very difficult. Um, one thing I've known for years in sales is we have to be on. And then to be on, we better be having a little bit of fun. You know, we better be enjoying it. And to me, that's that's such an important part of what you're bringing as well is showing somebody, hey, you know what? You know, when I started, we sold coupons for a living, right? I was in direct mail advertisement, and at the end of the day, I used to tell people we're we're not doing brain surgery. You know, we're we're not. It's not nuclear science. We're not saving the world. We're we're selling coupons for a living. So relax and enjoy it and have fun. And I think that's a lot of what you're doing with your teams every day. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm somebody who's always been relatively personable, even if I've been an introvert. Sometimes I want to talk to people, sometimes I don't. But I know that if I'm going to meet with the clients, I mean, no one really wants to meet with their vendors, right? No one really wants to do that. They want to focus on other things, but they have to. So my job is to make it as uh, pleasant, as personable as possible. 
um, and, and, and make them laugh. And I just, I get, a, I get a rush when I make people laugh in conversation or on stage or in sales presentation. Uh, I just get a rush out of it. Like that's, I'm, I'm making people happy. Um, you know, we all need to laugh a little bit more. Uh, and that was even before this pandemic hit. Um, so if I can help sales reps uh, just loosen up, be a little bit more confident, a little bit more personable, understand their own subject matter expertise a little bit more, um, I feel that's a win. But I, I got to tell you one thing I've learned though, and you might not like it. I'm ready. You, you say you're half sales guy, half comedian. Yep. You're a hundred percent sales guy. You oh, you no. maybe don't want to admit it, but yeah, no. you're. I know you're not going to like it, but you, you're you're a sales guy through and through. I mean, that's all you have to do is talk to you for an hour, and and you have not left that behind. Well, no, it's the thing is, I I really love comedy and I love doing it. Uh, it's just that I'm very nostalgic, and when I started doing comedy, I really missed money, and I realized if you want to make a few bucks in this world, you you know, comedy it's it's fun, but it just. Uh, it's a hard slog. I never set out to be a professional comedian. And uh, like I said, I've been doing it nine years. I've, I've climbed the ranks. I've done shows all over the place. And I love it. It's a craft, but I never took it that seriously. And to be honest, I don't want to be that person who's on all the time and trying to like, I don't want to be, I don't, I'm not a clown. Uh, I like sitting down and writing jokes and then figuring out how to deliver them to audiences who are paid to see them. I'm not always the funniest guy in the moment. Uh, so, you know, I, we're talking sales because this is a sales podcast. If it was a comedy podcast, uh, we'd probably be talking more comedy. But uh, either way, I'm okay with it. As you, you've added more credibility to uh, to what it is I do. So I'll just take that and run with it. Absolutely. Now, John, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Hey, I, I enjoy following you on LinkedIn. I would encourage anybody um, who's in LinkedIn at all that they follow you and, and go through that. Um, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about your workshop and, and how they can reach out to you? Because to me, if you're in sales and you want to be enjoying it and you want to understand your customers, what you're teaching is is a great way for them to uh, approach it. So um, how can our people reach out to you? Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. There, there's two good ways. Number one is LinkedIn. I love to connect with people, uh, especially those of you who are listening to this podcast, uh, because you will become my new best friends. That's number one. Number two, johnseelig.com um, is my website and johnseelig.com slash offerings you can kind of check out all the different flavors of workshops, 17 takeaways, uh, an explainer video, a testy montage, as I call it, uh, with various sales reps saying all kinds of things they learned in my workshop. And uh, I don't know, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, but really, who cares? So that's it. That's today's show. Okay, Boomer, teach me sales. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to subscribe and follow. We hope you make us a part of your week. And don't forget to share with your friends and coworkers. Should we mention the website? Sure. The website, okboomerteachmesales.com. And where can they engage with us? LinkedIn at Thomas J. Bloomer. We hope to see you there.